the text today again, Psalm 27. If you want to turn to Psalm 27 in your scripture, we'll put it on the screen as well. Uh, we will get to that here and read that for you here this morning. Psalm 27, starting in verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation in whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host of should encamp me or encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though wars should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And how shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me? Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy, I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidst, seek my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me, put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O my God, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not unto, over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me in such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. That is a good scripture for us to open up with. And as we do open this up today, I do want to remind you, um, this is some good words for us to really take heed in. But let's open in prayer before we get too far into the scripture today. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity again to come before you this morning. Lord, we thank you that you have given us a hope in you. God, I pray that as we uh, look at this today, that as we think of this today, that Lord, we would um, ease our minds a little in, the, in how this is going, Lord, and, and how these things are playing out. Lord, I pray that we would... Um, that we would listen to you, Father, that we would do as you would have us to do, that we would listen to your word, speak to us and through us today. Lord, we give you the glory for this. Bring you glory, honor, and praise this morning. Lord, show us your glory and your word. Pray the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be pleasing, Lord, to you, our rock and our redeemer. We pray this in your name. Amen. Again, we are thankful that you have uh, joined us here this morning, and we do look forward to um, looking and diving into 
these words today, looking and diving into the conversations that are taking place here. And as we look at this and we think about this and we open these things up, uh, the one thing that I think we just really need to um, embrace during this right now is the fact that we are dealing with um, the Lord who is able to protect us, able to offer us hope, able to give us strength in these times. So as we look at Psalm 27, I want to remind you the Psalms are true to life because they are drawn from the life, uh, from the stuff that life is made out of. Um, things like hope, fear, uh, love, hate, jubilation and frustration, faith and anxiety, joy and despair. Uh, one moment the songs roll from the soul of the worshiper and the next is trapped in the quicksand of doubt. You know, that's a way we can look at that this morning, but it rolls. The Psalms come from a place where we find ourselves often. That's why I think we can relate, why I think we can look at them, why I think that it's good for us to embrace them in many ways. Um, the men who wrote the Psalms knew what it was like to be shouting one minute and in total despair the next. They knew what it was like to be shouting one minute and shaking the next. Uh, they knew what it was like to have faith and um, then also to have fear and fear that, that in some ways threatened them in a mighty, mighty way uh, during the difficult conversations that are taking place. Uh, this particular psalm has been um, resonating with me for, for more than just this week. Um, this particular psalm has been resonating with me in a mighty way um, during these times, and it just really speaks to me in a mighty way uh, this morning even. I've, I've looked over it and thought about it and, and, and really embraced it. Um, and one of the things is, is that um, it speaks directly to my heart in, in some ways. And as we look at this today, I hope we can all see that and, and see how it works. But you can have the hope in all of the word of God. But this psalm seems to be one that is truly lasting in the hope that we can offer those around us. Um, some scholars link 26, 27, and 28 together. And they mention, uh, since they do mention the temple in some form, those are easily um, found when you read down through the Psalms because they are focused on David, who is seeking the Lord in his temple. And so there are some who choose to put a larger fence about this segment. Um, in fact, I think Psalm 25 to 29, um, or really Psalm 25 through 39, has been kind of grouped uh, into this section. Um, Psalms 25 through 29, the founder or, or the foundation of the worshiper's confidence in God. I believe it was Harry Ironside who actually did this. Um, Psalm 30 through 34, the worshiper having salvation in his heart. And Psalm 35 through 39, the worshiper's necessity for a personal holiness. So 
there's a pattern. There's confidence for God for the work of his salvation being brought about um, in us in a responsible way. It brings about responsibility to live godly and reverent lives and lives that honor the Lord. So as we look at that, kind of keep those things in mind as to where I'm going with this. But some of the Psalms can be pinpointed to a particular event in the life of David. I don't know that this Psalm can really pinpoint be pinpointed in the life of David as to a specific event. But um, we can be certain that David was facing some of the enemies. He was crying out to the Lord, or maybe uh, we can recognize that David, this might be the time when David was crying out, wanting to, um, wanting to share and build the temple. You know, there's, there's a few things that are happening here. We can look at it. Uh, but as we, as we get into this, I do want to just remember, you know, that, um, well, let's just break it down. Let's, let's look at the Psalm. Let's go through it and let's really speak to it today in our lives. So uh, Psalm 27 verses one through three speak to us in a, in a, in, in some ways, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Uh, the Lord is the strength of my life and whom shall I be afraid when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh. They stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp about me, my heart shall not fear, though war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. We see where David's confidence sprang from in the first three verses of this passage. His confidence comes from the Lord. He rehearses the times in his life when the Lord has been there for him. So he says, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my stronghold. The Lord is my light, my salvation, my stronghold. He has been there for me. There's something to be said about the times that God has dealt with us on a personal basis. And, and I believe that that's what David brings into Psalm 27. God speaks to him on a personal level. How many of us in our lives, when we're thinking about this, how many of us recognize when that personal conversation happens, when that personal level is achieved? Um, you know, and, and we think about that. God speaks to him on a personal level. He's able to recall the times of God's greatness, his gentleness, and his generosity because he remembers those times personally. They have a personal impact on his life. Uh, the thoughts of God's presence often have um, the capacity to help us in our darkest hours. We know that God is there despite what's going on around us in the circumstances, despite what the world might try to tell us or show us. We know that God is there as believers. Why? Because of our personal, our, our personal interactions with God. Um, let's first look at light. When we think of light in the Bible, there are a number of things that are clear when we see him as light. So let's picture God as light. Uh, to help with that, here's some scripture. First uh, Timothy 6, 16, dwelling in the light, which no man can approach unto. Uh, Job 38, 19, God is the way where light dwells. Uh, Psalm 104, verse 2, God covers himself with light. Second uh, Samuel 22, 29, thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. 
Psalm 18, 28, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Psalm 36, 9, for with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. John 1, 5, the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Uh, John 1, 9, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And then 1 John 1, 5, identifies God as light. And then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now this passage has to do with the sinless nature, the purity of the Christian life and the holiness of God as opposed to the darkness of sinful behavior and and a life, you know, the, the, the nature of man. Uh, but when we find David speaking of light in Psalm 27, it's it's the suggestion of God as that illumination, the purity, joy, life, and hope. And in the midst of the possibilities of David being attacked by his enemies, there is a God that will prevail for him, that will prevail and help him. And at the threat of war, God will deliver. And in the presence of fear, God has a light that can totally remove the darkness. It's that mindset we need to understand today. God is a light that will penetrate the darkest of days in our lives. Well, sin is a darkness. Sin is the darkness that we look to. Sin is a darkness that will destroy everything about who we are. And that's something that today we need to rest assured in today. And, uh, you know, I, I just want us to see that um, in the way that we are truly just embracing what this darkness is. Uh, darkness is the sin. It's the nature of the world. It's the, the, you know, when we talk about Christ came into the darkness and as the light in it knew him not, it comprehended it not. So, you know, God is a light for us. Second, he is our salvation, but the Lord isn't just our light. He is our salvation. He is our salvation. And the Hebrew word for salvation can also be rendered as deliverance. So the, the, the defining factor there is not only salvation, but deliverance. The Lord is not just shining the way. He is that way. He is that provision. Uh, Psalm 3, 8, salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Um, Psalm 18, 2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. When evil advances against us, when men come at us to devour us, to destroy us, to, to bring us down, um, as the psalm says, when evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, um, they will stumble and fall. So as we see here in these verses that I shared just a moment ago in Psalm 27, that's that mentality that we have here. There's this picture that David kind of gives us of when he says that there are some enemies whose deep desire and hatred and motivation is to try and destroy his flesh, to kill him, to devour him, to to rid the world of him. 
so to speak. These enemies are in a category such as wild animals, as predators, as, and 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 you know he he's likening them unto um, that kind of mentality because the, you know as as the lion stalks his prey, these enemies of David because of who he is, um, it's the mindset he has about it. While most of us don't have these kind of enemies seeking after us, we are involved in spiritual battle. First uh, Peter 5, 8, and 9 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So um, Peter uses that same mentality that David uses, but Peter uses it about the devil himself. Uh, so there's a spiritual battle. Revelation 12, 9, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out in the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Second Timothy 4, 17 and 18, uh, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Uh, you know, we're, we're seeing these conversations without or throughout scripture. We're seeing them happen. And honestly, there's another um, matter that we can also see in addition to the spiritual battle that is taking place, the one that is currently surrounding us, it's it's personal attacks of a verbal nature. It's false witnesses um, that we see in here. We, there's a number of things that are just listed in this psalm that speak to us about things that are happening around us today in the world. Um, these false witnesses these verbal attacks, they attack us with words that um, that are there to try and ruin our reputation. They want to attack us with words to try to ruin us and our reputation. And, and it's devastating to us. And, you know, there's so much about that. And, you know, one of the things that we can... Um, understand in this uh, that and let me make sure I get this right um, the Aramaic phrase to eat the flesh means to slander so one translation might even say that they are uttering slanders against me they're talking badly about me um, so the stronghold is the next factor of this, but but whatever the oppression was that David was talking about here, he was certain that God would intervene, that God would speak up. Uh, what's the statement Joe makes often? Uh, he makes the statement of the 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 lies will make their way, or a lie will make its way around the world uh, before the truth ever gets its shoes on, and and I think that's something that we are seeing David kind of in that mindset here. So whatever the oppression was, he was certain that God would intervene and ultimately uh, certain that the attacks would literally come to nothing. Not only would God assure that the enemies would stumble and fall, 
but he would also be the strength by which David stood. He would be that stronghold. The picture here is being painted as one of a protection. It's it's literally as a fort or a tower, a strong tower, um, something that has a wall that protects it, that holds back the enemy. Um, so, you know, I don't know if anybody has ever read the book Lone Survivor, but in the book Lone Survivor, uh, Marcus Luttrell tells the story of the special forces team being the first ones dropped into Afghanistan one month after September 11th. And uh, they were primarily on a recon spy mission when this um, teenage goat herder discovered them. And there was a great debate as to whether they should allow him to escape or not. And in the end, they allowed him to leave, but it would come with the high price of um, men being lost from that special forces team. And he was, you know, they were desperately injured in the battle. And and he thought he would also die. Luttrell was the survivor that came out of that. And, um, you know, he was taken to a safe house by some of the Afghan chieftains who were all in the Northern Alliance. And they were determined to protect him. And he wrote that there were times that he could hear the voices of his enemies while he was hidden away in one of the homes in that village. He said that they were there and at times... He was concerned with this feverish state that he was going to cry out in his delirium and be discovered. And almost two weeks after he had been placed in the safe house, some army rangers came in and rescued him and flew him out. Um, there's nothing like having a place to hide, a stronghold to hide in when you're under the duress and the pressure of the enemy that is coming after your soul. And so by that you know, when we come to this stronghold, when we come to the stronghold of God, we come on the conditions of the stronghold, not our own. Um, that's something that we as Christians need to understand. That's something, especially in the times of where we are right now, the conditions of which we find protection with God come with conditions of the one being the stronghold. You know, the reality is, is if they if he was offered protection, well, by being offered protection by this family, he had to follow their conditions. There were certain things he needed to do. There were conditions that would keep him safe, but also keep um, them quiet, keep them from um, giving up that stronghold. And that's not to say that we need to keep God safe, but there's conditions that keep us safe when we are under the stronghold of God. And that's something we need to look at. When we have the stronghold to hide in, we might be under the pressure of the enemy, but there's one protecting our soul. We come to the Lord as he requires us to come. We do not attempt to change him, but rather he changes us in the work of, of redemption, in the work of, of revitalizing who we are. God will change us. We can never find protection by trying to change the one protecting us. There will never be protection when we go to try to change the one who is offering that protection. So when we're under the protection of God, when God is that stronghold and he requires something of us, then the reality simply is this. We can't change God. It's not for us to change him. But in the process of us finding protection with God, he will change you and he will redeem you. He will offer you hope, 
Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid of? We can have great confidence in God that there is no one we should be afraid of because of his protection. We continue the scripture now. Verses four through six then begin to speak to us about some different things. The psalmist pours out the very desire of his soul, which is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this desire can only be poured out of a heart of a worshiper. David is a man who modeled courage. He modeled leadership. He was a conqueror, but more than that, he was a worshiper. He says, one thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, to worship. So here's a man who has a passion for God and the things of God. Remember, what is David known for besides all the bad things? He's known as a man after God's own heart. In our generation, um, if we can ever be touched by a passion and a hunger for God, it is only then that we truly understand what worship really is. If we feel that touch in our lives, we must come to a point where we have this passion, this hunger, this desire within us for God. That is where our worship starts. And it's only then that we become real worshipers of God. Certain things come to those who are true worshipers. Fellowship with a company of priests is what it talks about here, but but we find fellowship with with others within the church. Um, the way was made clear because of the illuminating light of the candlesticks. The um, Everything about what it's saying here, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon the rock. And now shall mine head be lifted above mine enemies round about me. Therefore, I will offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy I will sing praises unto the Lord. I will worship. I will worship him. You know, we can we can find privileges within being a worshiper of God. Um, we can taste the bread. We can uh, find that the light makes the way clear. The incense that rises from the altar in the time. Just thinking about the temple or the tabernacle. You know, these things exist there. There's priests, there's protection of God's people. There are the, the bread of life, the uh, the light himself, uh, the scent of the incense. We've often seen prayer uh, compared to incense. Uh, the access to the inner sanctuaries of the tabernacle where the presence of the Lord is and literally being able to be in the presence of the Lord, that is the grand result of our worship to be in the presence of God. David didn't attend um, these services out of a, a sense of duty. David didn't go to the house of God out of his duty to go to the house of God. He he went to the place of worship. He, he sought out the house of God because in his heart, that's where the treasure was. That's where worship began. That's where he could find a peace in God that he could truly worship the way that worship needed to happen. 
It's why when we long to be in the house of the Lord, we find fellowship, encouragement, and spiritual strength. When we find our way to the house of God, we find peace, we find comfort, and we find strength. And in this time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacles, he hides me. He shall set me upon a rock. David was far from the house of the Lord in a geographical sense. But David was in the middle of a worshipful setting. He was in the middle of this worshipful place. In, in his heart, soul, and spirit, he was there. And though we can't be together uh, in the house of God as a whole, we can definitely be there in spirit. Why? Because there's something special about that with us today. There's an outcome of what's taking place with David and, and within his heart that he is going to be hidden by God. David desired, he hungered for God's presence in his life. And a true worshiper can count on being in the place that Paul wrote of in Colossians 3.3, where he said, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. David truly understood that mentality. You're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Colossians 3 3. You know, there's the old hymn, Rock of Ages, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. That is the mindset. That is where we want to be. That is where we want to find ourselves. And then the next few verses, we see this prayer cry out from the soul. We see him say, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. David is crying out. At this point in the psalm, things seem to change. He was initially maybe walking in the highlands of faith, but now he's maybe slipping back down into fear. Um, I don't know. But we, we can't forget that fear often lives right next door to faith. When we're going through the struggles, we can't help but think that fear and faith almost coexist within us. The reality is, is that we can also um, maybe look at it like a roller coaster because we go through the high moments of faith and then we drop down into the low moments of fear. We we go through the high moments where faith finds us and we go to the low moments um, of fear. And we just find ourselves in this struggle. There's nothing more fearful to us than than when we feel that these moments of rejection are happening in our lives. Uh, David is crying out to the Lord and he's pleading with him and he's asking him to have mercy. And, and more times than often, we want to admit we are at the very control of the discouragement in our lives. The discouragement that we're facing tends to grasp us and we start to lose faith. We start to lose hope. And we know that we shouldn't be there, but there's the twists and turns that life offers. And and we don't sense the presence of God during certain trials that maybe we're going through. And, and it's a struggle. It's a real struggle for us. It's a struggle we go through. I hope that today you're finding peace in these words. There's nothing more fearful to us than when we feel the moments of rejection, the strongest psychological and spiritual needs that we have in each of us is that we are accepted by God 
that we will be accepted by God. And it's often amazing what we will go through to try to gain that. Um, this is where it gets spiritual. The devil literally is looking for every opportunity to exploit the feeling of rejection that we have. Um, I mean, think about the lies that the devil tells us. Think about the lies that we hear inside our head each and every day. Those discouragements, those broken statements that come from a heart of hurt. Um, and, and lies that maybe people in the world are hearing today because they're not seeing hope in the situation they're in. That can stretch a broad spectrum of things that we're seeing happen around us in the world today. Hear me out. Think about this. Are you hearing these lies in your own mind? God has rejected me. The church has rejected me. My family has rejected me. You are a misfit, a sinner, who has no business being around people who have their act together. Do you think those things sometimes? Do those thoughts go through your mind? Uh, nobody wants me in church. Nobody wants me to be around them. Nobody wants my presence in their lives because these things are true. But you see something that flows out of this prayer. David was there and he's praying. He's seeking, um, well, he's seeking the face of God. And in that, he's seeking acceptance. He's seeking to be heard. He's seeking guidance. He's seeking protection. And all of these factors are crucial in our spiritual lives. The only way it can be filled is when the Lord becomes our light and our salvation. When he lights the way and becomes the way itself, when he off, he lights the way and leads us to salvation. So the last two verses, um, I think, are almost a prescription for what we need to overcome the rest of this. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. David, almost like a doctor, writes a prescription for the ailment of lack of faith. It's it's a prescription we all need. It It's hard for us to take early, but as time passes in the walk with God, we begin to see what is best. And as our walk continues, we wait upon the Lord. I, I come back here in a moment to a verse that I've read multiple times on multiple occasions over the last few weeks. But, you know, these things that David prayed for, the things that we pray for, they do not come immediately. We've, we do not find immediacy in the things that the world, that, that we're praying for to happen in this world. God has his timing. He works on his timetable. He works on his schedule. And we're not to be confused by the schedule we have. You see, we find great hope and comfort in the wait. We have the same confidence that a man who is waiting on a bus to come at the bus stop. I mean, honestly, if we think about it this way, I promise you, it will open your mind to what I'm saying. Those who wait upon the Lord, right? So it tells us here to wait upon the Lord. The man sitting at the bus stop doesn't know exactly when the bus is coming but he has faith it's going to come. What he knows is that if he walks away from the bus stop, if he doesn't, if he's not at the bus stop, then he's not going to see the bus. If, if he leaves the bus stop for whatever reason, 
and the bus comes while he's gone, he's not going to get what he needs. He's not going to ride. If he if he leaves the bus stop and the time comes, he no longer has the benefit of riding the bus. So he doesn't know exactly when it will get there, but he knows that it will. You know, the conclusion of all of this, I think, is said best in Isaiah 40, um, verses 28 through 31. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fail. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. David cries out to the Lord and he says, I have no fear. I have no fear. I will not fear the things that come against me. I will not fear the troubles that I will face. I will not fear the struggles that this life will throw at me. I will not fear. I mean, it's honestly like David knew what Isaiah had said. It's like he had it and he quoted it in just a longer term here. I mean, think about just the simple fact of what this is saying to us today. Because in verses 13 and 14, David says, If I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. I would have fainted if I hadn't have waited. I would have fainted if... I would have fallen short. I would have not gotten what was coming to me had I not waited upon the Lord. Had I run ahead, had I waited behind, had I not waited in the moment on the Lord to do what he promised he would do, then I would not have what he promised me. That is what David is saying. I believe the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I believed the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What does he mean, the land of the living? It's a contrast to the pit of hell, Sheol. It's hell itself. Um, it is the exact opposite. The the land of the living. I, almost like he's saying, I waited while I had time to wait because there will be a day I don't. And I would have found myself somewhere else had I taken it in my own hands. What does it mean for us in our path of salvation today? It means that the Lord is our light and our salvation, that we do not have to fear the world around us today. It means that God can teach us his ways, but we must wait on him because it might not be the time of that teaching today. It means that God can lead us. He can guide us. You know, we do not want to be cut off from the land of the living, but we want to take matters and wait on the Lord. Rather than taking the matters into our own hands, we should wait patiently for God's response to our prayers. We should wait patiently for the response that he has for us. We should wait patiently for the response that God will answer us in his time and in his way. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Can you say that today? Does it speak to you in a mighty way today? 
you know, we may not understand the circumstances we're facing in the world, may not understand what's coming against us, may not understand why it's happening, but we can pray. We can cry out to God in the midst of our enemies, and he promises us to be there. We can cry out for hope in the midst of the darkness, and he promises us he will be there. We can cry out in the midst of a hardship, and he promises us he will be there. And it is in that we find the light and salvation of his word to guide us, to lead us, and ultimately to save us and redeem us to him. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So you're weak, you're broken, you're struggling. There's strength in that weight. There's rest and there's hope and there's opportunity in that rest that comes from waiting on the Lord. Are you willing to wait today for the answer to your prayer? Or are you trying to continue down a path that is destructive, not knowing that the Lord is almost here, almost there with you, but you're going to miss it because you're not willing to wait upon him? I hope that today you are. If you have a decision you need to make, contact me. I would love to talk with you. We're going to take a break here. We'll return in just a moment with our communion. So don't go anywhere. Join us for communion. And again, we want to thank you for tuning in for our services here on our podcast page. Thank you for listening and hope you had a blessed time with us. You can get more information on Newland Christian Church at newlandchristianchurch.com or go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash newlandchristianchurch. And until next week, we hope you have a blessed week in the Lord.